Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett, who is melting. Rob, you're melting. Literally melting. So hot, I can't wear a hat. So that tells you everything, doesn't it? With my, my signature hat's gone. But uh, but actually nice to have some nice weather, but it's going to be over 30 here today. And I'm kind of like, oh, curtains so closed. We are so seven fan, yeah, seven fans running, factor 50 ready and uh, and plenty to talk about in terms of Manchester United. Bad, mostly bad, including new kit. Bad. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll talk through today the links with Marcus Rashford and PSG. Uh, Cody Gakpo, Anthony, Marco Arnautovic, Sasa Kaladzic, Adrian Rabio, and the Brentford game, which is on Saturday evening. I will be there in the gantry to get a nice little look from above at Man United's shape. Uh, what jobs? I don't know. I really don't know what to expect from this. I'm kind, I guess my default expectation is United are going to lose, given what we've seen in the first game. But well, should we talk about it later? How are you feeling going into that game? Uh, I, I think like all Man United fans, I just feel a little bit numb. So I think you've got one extreme of United fans who are just mega angry, but have been angry since the start of time. And I think you've got the other side where people are just a little bit like bemused because you have hope. And it's the hope that kills you. So, like, you're going to Brentford. You really don't know what to expect. I'm saying if you're in the press gantry, you're up in the gantry, take a parachute. Because just in case you decide to jump, that might help. (laughs) Yes. 5.30 on Saturday night in the Sun in West London. Uh, Brentford versus Man United. We'll talk about it later in the show. It's going to be about 40 degrees as well, Scott. Yeah, I know. You you are really going to (laughs) melt. I'm going to be looking at that green kit as well. We'll talk about that in a second, but just the plugs first. Uh, Subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes. And watch us now twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays as well on YouTube. So head head over to the channel. Hit the like button, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment, etc., etc. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform. And follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promiseland MU for the show. Rob, the new kit is green. Is it green or is it yellow uh, green? Is it uh, Dortmund? I'm colorblind, I don't know, but it looks I, green. It looks I, like I, sicky green. I, I, I feel colorblind now. So it's kind of like I was looking at it and I was thinking originally yellow. Now it's looking green. Then then it's looking kind of putrid. And maybe that just matches Manchester United perfectly at that, the moment. That was the initial thought I had when I saw it. I was like, oh, a lovely green sicky kit for a lovely or well, awful sicky season, which is going to be ahead. It's a given last week's performance. It's a bit like it's a bit like neon, like let's go raving in our Man United kits rather than winning football matches. So where were we? We with the home kit, you liked it. Yeah. I wasn't so sure. Away kit, we both liked it. Third kit, we both are not keen. 
something yeah. like that. I literally don't mind if they wear no kits as long as they play good football. So just like, just please play some nice football in the next match. How are they going to do that? We'll talk about it later on, but we'll talk at the top of the show, I think, about Marcus Rashford because he's been in the headlines from Thursday night. Mm. Uh, we'll talk transfer targets after this as well because there there are links uh, or connections that we can make with this Marcus Rashford potential sale. Although Rob and I understand that, that this isn't really a goer, but the just to get you in the frame of things, if you haven't heard, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, have interest in Marcus Rashford. French reports on Thursday suggesting that they have spoken to Rashford's camp and they have encouragement. They have reported that uh, Marcus Rashford's out of contract in a year, but had the oversight of the fact that United have an extension clause of 12 months in Marcus Rashford's contract, which they can trigger. Um, As far as I understand, I'm sure you've Probably heard similar Rob as well. Rashford wants to stay. He wants to work with Ten Hag. Steve McLaren and Eric Ten Hag would like to work with Marcus Rashford. And we'll talk about our own opinions on on this in a bit. But there's not you're not selling Rashford now, are they? It sounds like old news to me because we did know the Marcus's representation had spoken to one or two football clubs last year. As far as I'm aware, now they're not really speaking to anyone. Why is that? Well, the player only said four or five weeks ago that he wanted his desire was to stay at Manchester United. So I don't know. This feels like a new cycle going around in circles. Why would PSG want Marcus at the moment? It's kind of a strange one. You look at their front line. What you what you buy Marcus Rashford to put him on the bench? I don't know. Does Marcus want to go and play in League A when there's a World Cup coming up and actually not playing because he's behind Lionel Messi? Um, kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah, I've actually just scrolling through Twitter as you were talking there and uh, PSG have now been linked with Rafa Leao from Milan, which is an alternative. Given the Rashford stuff came out last night, it's not happening, is it? But um, no. we do, I would like to have a wider conversation on Marcus Rashford. Mm-hmm. I'm also seeing here that Hannibal Mejbri could leave Man United on loan in the coming days. He hasn't really, he hasn't really seemed like he's going to get a chance under Ten Hag, so that's not a surprise. But on Marcus Rashford, uh, obviously he's been injured for a long time. He's had multiple complaints about you know injury issues and had to carry a lot of weight uh on his shoulders like being the the academy lad coming through at united one of the more higher profile players in the team has at times saved united and carried them on his shoulders in the last few years but in more recent months the last 18 months two years it's really not gone to plan for him his his career has stalled Maybe he's gone backwards. He hasn't progressed as much as United fans would have hoped and he would have hoped. And I think he knows that as well. Uh, So there is an argument to suggest that Marcus Rashford maybe would be better served getting a new challenge elsewhere. But I think where where I sit on this is, obviously United have that 12-month extension clause in his deal. Mm. Ten Hag, if, if... Ten Hag is the the last opportunity, I think, for Marcus Rashford to make it work. And I think <clears throat> we're probably going to have to make a decision one way or another on Rashford next summer, perhaps. I think you, you'll probably see the contract extension being triggered at some point. And then they'll have to make a decision long term. What I don't want to see is United now giving Rashford a contract for the next five years in the next two months before he's rediscovered his form because they've just done that over and over again with players who just haven't warranted a new deal. Uh where do you stand on the Rashford 
Wait, when you stand on his future, do you think it's make or break time? It's a big season for him? I apply the same logic to Marcus <laughs> as I do to every footballer that plays for our football club and just in general in the sport. And it's like you've got to earn it. Whatever way you look at it, whether you're starting, whether you want a bigger contract, you have got to go earn it. And like you just said there, Scott, Man United have done this so often of rewarding players with bigger deals, inflating the wage bill. And then when your wage bill is so big, what happens with that? You can't go and get players that you really need. So I think with Marcus, uh, there was a lot of chatter last year that he was very interested about going to Barcelona. That was something that was on his wish list, potentially, if Man United were going to go in a different direction and sell him. Because there was this at the end of last season that, that with Ranić coming in, was Ranić going to recommend a different style of football? How was Ranić going to do that? Well, we know what happened with Ralph Ranić. I think with Marcus, we saw on the tour that he played on the left and he played through the centre and he had some good moments. But the game against Brighton with the collective of the Man United team, he played poorly again. So you just said there, you know, did he go backwards as he stood still? I think he's gone backwards, like massively gone backwards. He's gone from being the guy that carried Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team at times when he was injured, you know, like broke his back. He was like all sorts, wasn't it? And he was still playing games somehow, getting on a football pitch. And I think that period two years ago has massively affected his long-term form. Like he doesn't look the same player. He looks fitter now, but no, no new contract for Marcus Rashford. It needs to be said to him, start playing well and we'll talk about it. You're tied to the football club for one with the additional year, so it's two years completely, and there is no need to talk about contracts. So even if this is coming from Marcus's side, and I'm sure they will, they'll want to start talking a contract. He's on 200 grand a week, mate. You stick with that. It's a nice wage. You're not getting 250 or 300, and start scoring some goals and start playing well for your new manager. Yeah, let us know what in the comments what you think uh, should happen with Rashford. I mean, I tweeted about it last night, and there's some fans which... I just have seen enough and they're like, oh, cash in on him, cash in, like go for it, um, 60 million, whatever, just just get rid of him. I, I don't rate him, which is, I think it's quite unfair. But who's going to pay 60 million for a play that hasn't scored in a million years? Like, it's like, you know, it, like at 60 million for Marcus two years ago at, at when he was on kind of an upwards trajectory, maybe. Who is going to pay 60 million, say, for Marcus Rashford? No one. So he, if he wanted to leave, Start playing well, and then you've got a marketplace again, haven't you? But at the moment, I don't believe there's any market for Marcus Rashford. And based on Man United's transfer window so far and their activity, if they mm. do sell, they need two forwards as it is. Yeah, in my opinion, they need a right winger and they need a forward, and they have not signed one of the two. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo, we don't know. Still, yeah. it's looking likely he'll stay, but we still don't know. Uh, Somebody could come in for him late on in the window and he will want to go if they're in the Champions League. There's no question about that. What are you going to do? Possibly lose Ronaldo later in the window and sell Rashford now and leave yourself yeah. with three options for forwards plus Ganacho, 17. It makes no sense. Being a Langer. It just makes no sense to me at all. And, no. you know, there, there are alternative targets uh, that United have been linked with this week. Uh, I know it's made a SARS come out. There's been interest in him for you know, passing interest within the club in him for a while. And that's obviously sparked up again this week, but I don't think he's top of the list really. 
Um, but we are, we're not on top of the list now. We're at rank four and five and six and all this. Watford might be about the level. <laughs> yeah. And he did score from the halfway line the other day. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's a bit of a coincidence. Darren Fletcher was there to watch it, apparently. All this business. Um, but Cody Gappo is, is the one that we haven't spoke about on the show yet. Yeah. Uh, there was, it was a proper weird night on Tuesday or Wednesday night. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, where PSV were playing in the Champions League. It's not the final qualifying round. It's the one before that. And they yeah. were playing Monaco. And the the <laughs> and my, my timeline was just full of, God, I hope PSV lose so they'll sell Gakpo to us. And if Monaco go through, they'll sell Rabio. How grim is that? Unbelievably grim. And PSV won. They were, they were trailing at one point and they came back to win. Uh, so now they go into a final qualifying round, I believe, against Rangers to get into the Champions that's League. Right, yeah. uh, so that, that's coming up in the next few weeks. And there's suggestions, oh, sell Rashford and buy Gakpo. Well, why would you need to sell Rashford in order to, order to buy Gakpo? It doesn't make any sense. Why, why are you going to limit your numbers like that so much? Uh, but any thoughts on Gakpo, Rob? Is he a, is he a good target to look at? Dutch international could play in a few different positions up front. Good stature on him, scores goals, but Eredivisie. <laughs> oh, how Eredivisie. So again, I think we said, didn't we, earlier on uh, in the window that it makes sense that Ten Hag goes shopping back in the Netherlands. But come on, you don't need to shop for everyone from the Netherlands. And this is kind of how it feels with Man United at the moment. But Cody Gakpo is a really, really good player. Um, I don't see him as the Anthony alternative. Obviously, the positions maybe speak towards that. But I think that you would probably want both of those players if you were looking at upgrading wider areas. Um, and then maybe there's a different conversation about Marcus and maybe Marcus can play through the middle a little bit more this season. Um, but he's really, really good. He has got some stature to him and he can play across the whole of the front line. You know, I've seen him play in various positions. Um, and he's a talented lad, you know, he's highly rated. I think when you look at the price range of around 35 million, which we Man United get involved in, will mean 45 million, almost like that. Um, I think that's good value, actually. I think he's one of those players that you can take and develop, 23 years old, um, and ready maybe for the step up. But are Man United really shopping in the correct markets at the moment? I'm not really sure now. I've kind of... I'm looking at the targets. I'm listening to kind of what people are saying from the centre of Man United. And it's all a little bit skewed now. 20 odd days of the window to go. We were saying again, or I was saying two months ago, it's all right. Calm down. Let's see what they do. I'm sure they'll get people over the line. They're, they're doing their business. 20 days to go. You've got an unhappy Ronaldo. You've got talk about Marcus Rashford maybe leaving the football club. You haven't got a striker at the moment because Martial was injured before maybe he'll be back for the next game. But overall, it's a little bit of a mess. It is. It really is. Uh, I mean, I'm. am I concerned? Well, yeah, obviously, yes. But I mean, I'm kind of resigned now to this season being transition is the, the nicest way I could possibly put it, to be honest, because the, you know, it does seem like United are going back to the Eredivisie every single time. And Lisandro Martinez, we spoke. Did we speak about him in the last show? He had a half decent debut, but it wasn't great, really. I mean, he got caught out a few times. Should have given a penalty away. 
And he was meant to be this centre-back who'd come in and just like completely altered the United defence. I know, I know it's only been one game and we got a bit of stick in the comments the other day for uh, going in a bit hard after one game. And yes, obviously it will take time, but you're running a risk with the Dutch league. It's very hit and miss. And that applies to Ten Hag as well. It's a little bit hit or miss, but the issue here, Scott, and this is always a thing in terms of transition, is that May United effectively sacked the whole scouting department this year. They got rid of everyone, both off the back of Ole leaving the football club with Ranjit coming in and the advice that was being given at that point. And they got rid of everyone. So if you get rid of all your scouting department, do you know what you can't do? You can't scout. You haven't you, everything. You might have the report still there sat on someone's desk, but I don't see you know, John Murta kind of going through it and going, hmm, two years ago, the scouting department said this. Well, he oversee, saw all of those things anyway. So he was part of that. And, and I think what we're we're truly seeing now is that they're saying to Ten Hag, yeah, we're going for your targets, but Ten Hag's net is smaller maybe than we think. So he's looking at players that he knows, players that he's had experience of. That all makes sense in the first instance, but you've got to have a wider net. You've got to have a proper network. Like you just mentioned Hannibal there and maybe Hannibal leaving on loan. So Hannibal, we know, is a kind of big up-and-coming player. Ole didn't trust him. Ranić didn't really trust him, gave him 10 minutes against Liverpool. He needed to kick someone off the pitch. And now we're seeing that he's not getting minutes, so they're going to move him on. So are you just going to go and buy Hannibal alternative? So this, all these things you see, I, I kind of look at it and kind of think United are not particularly working within their own resources or what they could do with the younger players. And then we're being linked to everyone in the Eredivisie. So it's all a little bit like you've, you've seen one game of football. I'm not going to get too obsessed by that. It was a bad performance, but you need options. And unfortunately, with 20 days of the window to go, you can see that United are going to get to transfer deadline day or the week before and they're going to start panic buying. So a lot of shock jocks have been saying... (laughs) Yeah, a lot of shock jocks have been saying that for months. They're going to go, oh, United are going to panic buy, and we've all kind of said, well, let's just see, let's wait and see. But they're right. It's going to be that way now. Is that because you've only got 20 days to go. You still haven't got your Frankie de Jong. You still haven't got your Frankie de Jong alternative. You still haven't got your Frankie de Jong alternative mark two. You've got no one, really. So... You said about Martinez there. I'll just cap off for that. I actually thought Martinez played quite well. I did say that on the last show. I didn't think it was as bad as many people said. He made one or two mistakes in a really bad Man United team. So I don't think that he can upgrade everything. I think you play Virgil van Dijk in that Man United team, he'd make mistakes. Um, we're going to have to build it from the bottom up and it's up to Ten Hag to find a way. Yeah, let's just hope he does show enough progress uh, in time for him to relieve enough pressure on himself to be able to keep in the job because if it gets untenable towards a point you know he's not gonna have much time i hear that's what worries me eric 10 days eric 10 weeks eric 10 games (laughs) eric 10 months uh eric 10 months could be a thing like i i really do like we saw this didn't we with david moyes but that was a different world but even you know van gaal got two years Mourinho got kind of two and a half three ish there's a, there is a cycle there at play with this Manchester United board and the board hasn't changed. So uh, if United don't win football matches, you know whose neck is on the block and who will be punished for it. And it will be Eric 10 months. God, Eric 10 months. Uh, wider conversation point. Like I know, so this is a bit of a double-edged sword. I'm seeing a lot of trust in the manager, like let mm. him pick his players, let him do it. And Yes, to a degree that like he should. He should have players that he wants to bring in because he knows their qualities and he know understands exactly how they'll fit in his team, this kind of thing. They've done that with other managers before and obviously 
often resisted, kind of giving them half and then not really giving them the other half, not fully committed. United have changed their structure above the manager. They now have John Murta and Richard Arnold in there, but it just does seem that every transfer target United are going for now is a Ten Hag choice. Uh, maybe apart from your Ismail Asars, maybe Rabiot has been tracked for a few years, but what have you seen in Adrian Rabiot for the last three years to maybe convince you that he's a player that you should be buying? What if this doesn't work out? United are just exacerbating the problem that they've had for the last 10 years by just buying five more players for a manager who doesn't last. And then they have the same problem and another five players to add to the pile of uh, players assigned players signed by other managers. Then so you got five from Ten Hag, you got five from Mourinho, you got five from Solskjaer, or ten from Solskjaer, you got five from Van Gaal. All of this kind of business. What what are they doing above? Like, should the reason why clubs like uh, I, I don't want to let, let's let's take Man City for an example. Like, I mean, they've got Pep Guardiola in there. He has an idea of the exact type of player that he wants, but the people above him also know the style of play that they want to implement. And let's, let's say if Pep goes, they're probably going to want to, you know, succession plan and carry that tradition on. Whereas United are just going to jump from manager to manager. Has Ten Hag got too much power? Or is this a, a work in progress? Let's say Ten Hag does have a season, they can all come together later on and identify targets between them. It's a bit of a mess, to be honest. I, I think this is too much Eredivisie for me. I, th- I think it's way too early to kind of decide whether the structure of the project is right or wrong. Because it's like everything. If you start winning games and it changes, everyone will just, you know, clap away, pat people on the back and say, oh, you, d- you did well, didn't you, changing all of that? And we-, we can't make that choice today. But it doesn't smell well. You know what I mean? Like you can kind of like from here, you can kind of go, mm, like, yes, you're going for the manager's targets. But the manager's target is Adrian Rabiot. Like you just said, they've, they've tracked him for three years. Well, I'll tell you what, Scott, they've tracked Rabiot for three years. He hasn't had a good game for three years. You know, he's not a particularly good player. So you're going to say, Rabiot's going, yeah, give me best part of 200 grand to come to your football club. And United are now going, right, we want to do this deal, but I don't want to pay you 200 grand. 175, 150, 120. I don't want to pay any of those numbers for Rabiot. Not at all. You know, we just talk about whether Marcus Rashford is worth a new contract. You've got to be careful who you're giving contracts to. But I think in the first instance, this is my opinion, I'm going to stick with it for now, is that I would rather Ten Hag decides the incomings and the outgoings and for him to have that power. But what you see at modern football clubs is that managers don't tend to have that power. They can't, they're part of it. So Klopp, Guardiola, but there's a robust system that supports the manager in signings, <clears throat> excuse me. So when you look at Manchester City signings this year, whether it be the likes of Haaland or, or Phillips or any of those types, you know, you look at um, uh, Alvarez from River Plate, you know, these are smart signings that you can get in the door with little hassle because you've done your due diligence. Man United this summer had the opportunity to go get some players like that and didn't. And they're still waiting for Frankie de Jong 14 weeks on. And Frankie's going, but I love the sunshine in Barcelona. I don't want to go somewhere where it rains. England makes me sad. 
Right. Okay. So that's a problem, isn't it? There's all sorts going on. So United have not helped themselves. That's the way I look at it. And I do also think that this is maybe part of the disconnect between the board and the manager. Manager says, I want this. The board tries and goes and gets it. But maybe the board doesn't have the expertise to do it in the same way that City do, same way that Liverpool do. So there's going to be a lot here on John Murto. There really is. I think when you look at this, that if Eric Ten Hag fails in, you know, the Eric Ten months, as that's going to become a thing, and I really hope it doesn't, could be Eric Ten games at this rate, then Murto's neck is on the block as well, very much so. So he is the director of football, the sporting director at the club. He conducts the project. But I think Richard Arnold's tried to show that he's ruthless in his opening months as the new CEO. But he's also got his neck on the block because this is his thing. And the Glazers, who know nothing about football, are going to get a big backlash in the weeks ahead with the with the fans and with the press. The press have definitely started to turn against the Glazers in the last few weeks. You've seen much more expansive pieces about their tenure and what they should do and that they should probably leave the country. I think that was Gary Neville's exact words. The Glaciers should sell and leave the country. We should kick them out of the country, his exact words. That's happening now. This is a crucial point for the football club if they want this project to succeed and go somewhere. Yeah, let's talk uh, Let's talk about the forwards element uh, because we haven't spoken, Rob, since the Marko Anatovic chase hmm. was abandoned uh we did speak about him on the show the other day and obviously pretty much every single united fan was up in arms about this pursuit hmm. this is another apparent eric ten Hag target worked with him and steve mclaren did at fc20 before 2010 we're now in 2022 in the second half of the year <laughs> um it was a bit of a weird pursuit at the time. He came in, uh, played played for Stoke in the Premier League, played for West Ham, moved to China, now plays for Bologna. But obviously there's off, well, there's incidents that have happened with him in the past that, uh, you know, mean that this is probably a target that United shouldn't have been looking at in the first place. I mean, they have bowed to fan pressure and like ab- abandoned uh, their pursuit and rightly so, but this should never have happened in the first place. Like, and, and that just does not give me any any trust in how United are approaching this market. They, they should have that kind of background knowledge on a target like that before it hits the press, surely. Completely. And this is why I'm saying why it's starting to smell a little bit because, <clears throat> yes, I want the manager to have control of transfers and bring in players. But if we're already at the point where Ten Hag and Steve McLaren, in this case, are looking down their list and they're looking at Anatovic. We said, you know, Anatovic worked with Steve McLaren 14 years ago at Twente. And they're saying that, yeah, this is the guy who will get us goals because we might lose Cristiano Ronaldo. Like that, that's, that's, this is just not what we signed up for. So this is why I think with Ten Hag, the pressure builds because he will be judged on his decisions. He wanted Anatovic for football reasons. But the day that broke, the conversations back and forwards between sections of the media and Manchester United meant that the following day, Manchester United pulled the plug very, very quickly. The fear that signing a player who's that controversial and controversial for all the wrong reasons, like not nice reasons, bad reasons, and United stuck their name next to him, that he was a a target. (sighs) 
it's muppetry, isn't it? Complete muppetry. So, like, you know, as, as a board, again, I think the board, and I think, like, Richard Arnold was the guy that pulled this deal. So it's the first time I think we've seen Richard Arnold get involved in a deal where he's gone yay or nay. And he went, nay, 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 nay. You know, I don't want to be turning up at a pub in Cheshire talking to fans saying why we signed this guy. Yeah, so that's why that happened. But come on, Scott, this is the whole thing. You're looking at an out of it and that level of signing, you're not going to get top four. You're almost saying straight away, top four is gone and we're just going to think about building. But you don't build around the Anatoviches of this world or the Rabios. They are poor targets. So, yeah, if the manager brings them in, they do, they do well. We can all say, yeah, we got it wrong. But we're not idiots. We do see these players. We do know what they do. We know how good they are and their potential and their ceilings. This is not what you want for Manchester United. So I think Eric Ten Hag needs to grasp some of that now because you've got 20 days left. He's already said, I'm only going to buy players that, that make the, cl- the club better. Well, I'd rather they sign no one now than buy the Anatoviches and the Rabios. Buy no one, play the kids. I got a load of flack last week saying that you should be playing Zidane and Savage and all that. I know they're not ready, but I'd rather see it. Show me the kids who will bleed for Manchester United, who will run until they drop. I don't want to see an Anatovich. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that on our football pitch. I don't have to deal with it on podcasts, you know, talking about a guy who's got that kind of reputation. Man United should know better, Scott, and they don't. Big shame, isn't it? Uh, someone who probably did know better was Ralph Rannick. Uh He's starting yeah. to turn out gold at the moment. Uh, there were suggestions earlier this week that United, or he told United to sign four or five players and... Mm-hmm. One of them was, uh, I think we revealed on 90 Min at the time that uh, Conrad Lyman was re- was uh, recommended by Ranić. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I think he would like to join Bayern Munich, but I mean, he's available on the market for 20-odd million euros, 25 million euros out of contract in a year. Yeah. Really good statistically, would add something in Man United's midfield. Uh, but the report this week that uh, Ralph Ranić has advised Sasa Kaladzic not to join Man United. He's one of the uh, potential striking targets that is on United's radar. Had a good season last year with Stuttgart, I believe. But yeah, I think Ralph's seen enough now and it's, it's turned sour enough for Ralph to say, yeah, that club's an absolute mess. Don't don't risk it, mate. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and I think the thing is with Ralph, and I, we've heard this in recent months from United people who are connected directly to the football club, that it was all Ralph's fault. You know, when Ole went, that Ralph upset the players and, you know, he wasn't a proper coach and, you know, he was a kind of uh, a consultant doing a coaching role. No, let's dispel the myths. Ralph Ranić is a fantastic generational coach. He's never done it at the top, top level, so I get that. He didn't manage Bayern Munich. But there is enough anecdotal evidence about how this manager managed in the past and what he's done and how his philosophy works. And he gave Man United a list of really good targets with his Red Bull connections and whatnot. And Man United went, no thanks, we're going to get Eric Ten Hag. And Eric Ten Hag went, no thanks, I want to do it my way. And here we are now with people like, it's like the Louis van Gaal situation, isn't it? Louis van Gaal calling Man United a commercial club because he's experienced the club. Do you know what I mean? Ralph Ranić is not, you know, is no you know, young buck, he's an old dog. He's seen it all. He, he's like, no, don't go to Man United. It's a mess. So uh, it, it just makes your heart weigh heavy, doesn't it? Because 
I think Ralph Rangnick could have been a guy that really helped direct Man United's project. And he left the football club with his reputation in tatters because the club is a mess and the players were a mess and it needed organising. And I think this may be where Ten Hag is going to find this now. Is Eric Ten Hag as experienced as Ralph Rangnick? No, he's not. Ralph Rangnick's seen all sorts of other things, you know, managed at different levels, been a sporting director. Now Eric Ten Hag is kind of the sporting director, isn't he? Because he's making these decisions about players, which we're saying now, has he got too much power? Well, only time will tell. Yeah, let's move on to other transfer targets. Adrian Rabio, we've already touched on him, but I've just seen a picture of John Murta in Turin. Yeah. Arriving to meet Adrian Rabio and his mum slash agent Veronique. Uh, obviously, yeah, Rob's it. got his, if you're listening on an audio platform, Rob has got his hands over his eyes, uh, head in hands, because this is just. Apparently, this is an Eric Ten Hag suggestion as well, even though United have been uh, monitoring Rabio for a few years. But like I said earlier, Rabio hasn't played well. For a long time, really. <laughs> uh, what have United seen in him? What's he going to add statistically? Not even as good as Scott McTominay at progressing the ball. Um, this That's is the just worry, another sign. It? It's just another signing to add on to the pile of rubbish. It's, this no? is the worry, isn't it? It's like Man United living in the past, where Adrian Rabiot was a kid at Manchester City, and people were like, "Yeah, he's going to be a really, really good player." And he had a bit of a weird attitude in those days. And his mum, we know, was involved in those days. Well, pulled him away from from City. Um, he's just not that good. He's just like a bottom, just a bottom dollar. And anyone that gets their mum to do their transfer dealings, I'm just not down with it. Like, come on. So get yourself a proper agent. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not having a go about his mum, but it just makes the whole thing just stinks, doesn't it? Because we've seen it already with Rabio over time with other clubs. Juventus are desperate to get rid of this guy. Desperate. They've just taken Paul Pogba's wage on. Paul Pogba's got an injury and they're still desperate to get rid of him. Man United, wake up and smell the coffee. So I do know that, that, that Ten Hag wants this player on a list of X amount of players that Man United wants to try and make, make you better. But you just said it there, Scott, and it's the most important fact. He does not progress so well, the ball better than Scott McTominay. And Scott McTominay can't progress the ball. <sighs> just, you've got to be smarter. So I feel this because these signings that are coming in are going to be on the back foot straight away. We're all going to be looking for mistakes, aren't we? We're all going to be going on day one, Rabio's not very good. Bring in players that have got upside. Bring in a Gakpo and we'll give them time. We'll say, yeah, you're 23, first jump into the Premier League. We'll give you a bit of time because you, you need that. No one's going to give Rabio a minute. He's proved he's not good enough at other football clubs. And now you want top four with Rabio because he's won a few things at other clubs? No, thank you. Just not good enough for us. And we need better players. We need to be linked with better players. We need to sign better players. Rob, I'm I'm actually looking through my uh, my timeline. And as we go, like, th- th- if this doesn't tell it, like, our show today is a quick fire transfer target hit list, right? Boom, boom, boom. And in the time that you have been talking about Adrian Rabio, yeah. two separate players have been mentioned as Man United being in talks about or um, Hmm. Eric Ten Hag wants. One coming from Manchester Evening News, which we've already discussed, Hakim Ziyech. Uh, Top line is Eric Ten Hag's being met with resistance by the Man United hierarchy amid his interest in signing Ziyech from Chelsea. 
Yep. Why are they not resisting Adrian Rabio? I don't know what what yep. like what's the difference. And what does that mean? Resistance? What is that? Is that again Richard Arnold going? Hmm, I don't know if I like this player. Um, I'm resisting. Like it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, I'm I'm not hundred percent like convinced that Hakim Ziyech is the best signing to make. But if he if Chelsea want to get rid of him, we have seen enough of Hakim Ziyech in the Champions League and know that he's technically a pretty good player and could do a job for a couple of years. Totally. Like, yeah. I, I'm not against that one so much, uh, even though it's not really worked out for him at Chelsea. Ten Hag has proved that he can work with him. If he's a good cut-price deal, then fair enough. The other one that I've just seen, and this is something that I've, I've heard for a few weeks now, mm. Sport in Spain reporting that Man United are in talks over Serginio Dest, a right-back mm. from Barcelona. Yeah. I have known that that's been a thing for a few weeks. But isn't this, Rob? These aren't even in the in the in the running notes today. This is United scattergun panic. Panic time. Goodness me. Panic station. So like this is the thing. Now we know that United are interested in Rabio. We know that the director of football, the sporting director, is going to go out there and do the deal. May United have been very um, open about those things, like turning up in Catalonia and making themselves get photographed because they want Frankie de Jong, rather than just doing the Frankie de Jong deal and getting it finished. So here we are now with Rabio. It's the same situation, but you're looking at, you said with Dest, do, do we want to do any more business for Barcelona? Like, would you just not avoid that and just say, we do not want to play this game with you? Um, what was the other play? You said there was Ziyech. Um, Ziyech, 8 to 10 million. Yes, go get him. Good player. You know what he can and can't do. He can work with the manager. You're not blowing your wage structure. You're not you're spending a huge fee. That makes sense. But a lot of these other players do not. You know, like Ziyech, I think, is way above stations over the likes of a Rabio or the likes of a Manoutovic. Hugely above, you know, in terms of ability and, and potential still. So this is, I think, the thing with Man United now is that they are, that it's literally like you know, putting the, the fork in the turkey and praying it's cooked. It's a bit like that. It feels like they are, you know, this is, this is going to be a very scattergun last 20 days of the window. Going to be linked with literally everyone. I do believe still there'll be incomings. Will they be the right incomings? I've now gone from, yeah, maybe they will be, to probably not. And that's how I feel just as a as a moderate Manchester United fan. Ooh, the promised land is looking a very, very long way away at the moment. Sorry uh, to people, so this sounds a little bit of a ranty show today. We, but we're we usually on that quite, quite positive, Rob. We? We, <laughs> it's we the heat, I think. <laughs> I think it might be, to be fair. Uh, we do have like two topics left. Uh, I want to talk about the goalkeepers, goalkeeping situation. Yeah. And obviously look forward to the Brentford game as well at uh, the, the end of the show. Uh, suggestions this morning that uh, United are obviously that we've known that we're looking they're looking for an alternative or a backup goalkeeper to David De Gea mm. but there are also suggestions that they are looking for somebody to compete with David De Gea in the long term because of concerns over De Gea's distribution etc which was painful to see in the Brighton game yeah like at Old Trafford when when I was watching it from a seat and saw David with the ball at his feet the fear from him to give the ball to someone that he didn't want to give the ball to. So I'm talking about the likes of Delo and the whole of the back four at some point. I think the only player he gave the ball to was Martinez and Martinez would progress it and do it quite. That's why I'm saying I'm not low on Martinez. 
But I think for De Gea, he needs to trust around him to be able to give the ball short to people, but then also make the right decision. So he, he made a bad decision in that second goal. He went long, down the throat, came straight back, one pass, two pass, in the middle goal. And he's part of that. And of course, he parried the ball, didn't he, in one of those as well. So his handling wasn't particularly good. Um does that suddenly change everything with May United going by a new goalkeeper? No, we do know that they want a better number two. I don't think Heaton is that guy. But there's a big question on De Gea, isn't there? Like De Gea has to try and go up a level somehow if he's to remain at the football club long term. But I said before, he's like problem number eight, Scott. But it's going to start creeping forward in it to problem seven and problem six and problem five. So... Let's see with David De Gea. You've still got an England-class goalkeeper on your books. Um, he's we not never talked fo- about this, actually. No, he's not at the uh, football club at the moment, but there are options for Manchester United. Yeah, so we, we didn't address this when it happened last week because there was just too much going on. But Dean Henderson is now on loan at Nottingham Forest. He did his first uh, proper interview, sit-down interview with TalkSport and said along the lines of, I didn't want the manager to come in and be able to see me in training. I knew he probably didn't want to keep me. So I tried to do it all as in leaving before I left for the season. Uh, I told all the hierarchy, I need to go and play football and I'm not playing second fiddle. Suggestions are from him that he was told uh, you would come back as the number one goalkeeper, but he got COVID and then David Taylor was in decent form. Good form. It depends how you want to define that really. Uh, and he did not get his place back and was just largely unhappy for the duration of last season. I've spoken about it publicly as well. Is there any way back for him? Because that is... While I I, I see... I, I don't like it at all, but I also kind of see where he's coming from. Yeah, I see where he's coming from. Um, and I think... You know, we know he was promised the number one shirt. We knew that when he came back. it was That, that was the succession plan. But unfortunately, when he had opportunities, they weren't that many. He wasn't that good. You know, he wasn't miles above De Gea. You didn't see that he was, you know, loads better with his feet and better with his positions and all of that. And this is why De Gea kept the shirt. Like, it's it's a it's a football issue at that point. Um, you said, is there any way back? At this football club, at this Manchester United, there's always a way back. There's always a way back. So if he goes and plays well for Forest and then goes to the World Cup with England, Qatar, and does well... He'll be back at Man United. I'm telling you this now. He will be back at Man United in 12 months' time. He might not want to come back to Man United. I think that might be the other other flip side of this. Um, You know, he's not going to listen to any more promises, is he? And why should he? But on the other side, this is what Scott. I think you need to be professional. Go to pl- go and play at Forest and get on with it. I, I, I did not like his interview. I thought it stank. It really stank. And a kind of... I don't know, modern entitlement or some of the, from our players in this country, you know, again, where it's like, well, you know, I got told this and it didn't happen. So I'm off by, well, yeah, do that, but keep your gob shut. You don't have to be publicizing everything. It's not a reality TV show. Uh, I think Dean Henderson might be back at Man United in the year. I really do believe that because I think we know that Eric Ten Hag liked him because Ajax made an inquiry about him last year. So the manager does like him. Um, but that whole I tried to get out the football club before he saw me type thing. Like, how old are you? 12? Like, what, what? you know, you're on a big contract. You're a Premier League footballer, mate, an England international. Calm down, you know. So go and do what you got to do. But, you know, he's burning his bridges. And that might be the one thing that stops him. But I'm going to end it with this, Scott. 
I, we talked about off camera. I remember when Yapstam wrote, wrote his book. Yapstam was one of my favorite players when I was younger. And I was devastated the day he got sold. I remember Yapstam's uh, presser when he was leaving and he was in Italy. And he was like gaunt because he couldn't believe that it had been sold. But Fergie went, you crossed me. I got rid. I don't matter how good you are. Gone. Out my, out my club. I would be like that with Dean Henderson if I was if I was manager of Manchester United. I'd be like, no, nah, you don't talk like that against my club, so you're never coming back. But this Man United is a very different Man United to the one that Fergie ran. Right, round off the show. Will we get a different Man United at Brentford, Rob? Uh, because I'm not super optimistic. Brentford is, especially in an evening game, in the sun, First Brentford home game of the season. We saw what they did to Arsenal at the start of last season in their first home game. The, the first Premier League game of last season was Brentford when they beat Arsenal in this stadium. The United mentality is not very strong. Will they be able to resist and work their way back if they fall a goal down? I don't really know. I mean, what are your kind of overarching feelings going into this one? I mean, we just we do need to see a better performance, don't we? And they... For all the bad feeling around the club, the players really need to start pulling it out on the pitch to, in order to lift the mood. Because if they lose again, or they draw, and it's really not a not a nice experience going into that Liverpool game next week, it's just there's going to be no optimism around this club at all. There isn't now for most fans at the moment. I think they could beat Brentford 4-0 and there'd still be no optimism before you play a Liverpool team that can do things that Liverpool can do. Um, no, do I have a lot of hope for this game? No, why? Because when you go to Brentford and places like Brentford, you need to be psychologically strong. That's what you need to be. Brighton did Man United at Old Trafford because they exploited the channel, just like good football teams will do. Danny Welbeck ran the channel. Do I think that Man United are going to deal with Tony and their movement that they have at, at, at Brentford with a, a small stadium and a banging crowd and an amazing atmosphere? Well, they should do, but they're not going to, are they? Because they're not that they're not that kind of set of players. So I think that this is this is a dangerous fixture. Like I looked at the first three fixtures of the season weeks ago and thought, I don't like this. This is a bad first three games for Man United. And you could, in theory, maybe get one point out of those three games. And then you're really reeling, aren't you? You're struggling. But the other side of the coin is Scott, uh, Scott, is that like if you play badly. And you're at that crunch stage of talking to Frankie de Jong. And Frankie de Jong is watching this and going, May United Chelsea, May United Chelsea, May United Chelsea. One team can't beat Brentford. The other team's in the Champions League and signing loads of players and got Raheem Sterling up top. That's gone. Finished, isn't it? Done. So I think this is the other side of the coin is if you want to attract talent, you've got to show that your existing talent can play football. And at the moment, this lot, you know, after that first game, You've never seen such optimism kind of go there and then just crash so badly. But that was also on the football pitch, Scott. Was it just the fans? It was actually the players who started the first 10 minutes really well, optimistic. And then they just threw the game away through mistakes and bad football and not running. How many times have we said that this team doesn't run? Eric Ten Hag, my God, if you can get these boys running and playing five-yard balls, you might win some football matches. We're yet to see it. Uh, Question before we go. I mean... Obviously, De Jong is not there yet. My optimism for, for the Frankie De Jong deal is just it's melting away. I mean, I, I don't see why he would choose Man United over Chelsea if Chelsea are at a similar stage. I don't see why he would. 
at the at the moment United had to sort this out way before Chelsea got in the mix uh, officially, and now they're there. Uh, United would do very well from here to land Frankie De Jong, I think. But yeah, how do they how do they answer the the problem for me the other day was well, there's problems all over the pitch, but who plays in the six? Uh, Ten Hag wants to sign De Jong to play in that role in order to dictate dictate play. I know they had problems like defending the channels, all this kind of business, but United were awful in the first half until well until Christian Eriksen went into the kind of dictating role from the became a six, <laughs> even though he's not a six, and he's not a six. And no. United were chasing the game, so obviously you'd think anyway that United will have the majority of the ball, especially at Old Trafford. How does he answer? What do you see him changing anything uh, in order to get more, earn more control in this game? Will Eriksson continue there? I mean, I, I get, tweeted the other day. I think Lisandro Martinez is the right fit for it at the moment. But I, I mean, I, I get a bit of stick because I feel like United have Varane, Lindelof, Maguire, but they bought Lisandro Martinez for the left centre back role. But at the same time, I think. Martinez is quite mobile. He can pass the ball. He can tackle all this kind of business. He might actually provide that uh, temporary, at least, protection for the back two. Yeah, I think the strange thing is that even though we know that Martinez can do that, he has been brought to play left centre-back. So it's kind of, again, reductive, isn't it? That Because you've got an issue in another position, that you then take the player who you bought for that other position to go into this position. It's kind of like, it's, it's, it's you know, you talked about square pegs and round holes before. So I actually think you're going to see Christian Eriksen play yeah. there for a bit. And, and that's only because Christian Eriksen can pass the ball and trap a ball. Like, it's crazy, isn't it, that that's where we are? So, you know, in terms of Frankie de Jong, Frankie has got a relationship with Eric Ten Hag. They're not Bezies. It's not the best mates in the world in terms of, like, Martinez and Anthony and Timber are all uh, all Ten Hag boys. You know, they like him. They've invested in that manager. It's not the same relationship. But you just said they're what can Man United offer. Man United can offer a big wage. Chelsea can offer a big wage. And that's all Man United can offer in terms of counter. Because Chelsea got Champions League football. Chelsea will compete for the title. Chelsea are a forward-looking club now with this new with this new uh, uh, football manager style ownership, where they just want to buy everything. They're a little bit like Barcelona in many ways of the English version, aren't they? Of it's all aspirations and blue skies. Um, but so much work for Man United to do. So much work behind the scenes on the football pitch. You know, people talk about getting a defensive midfielder. I've always said this: you don't need a defensive midfielder. You need a midfielder that can do the job. That is it, whether it's an eight or someone who can do that role of getting the ball off a centre-back and progressing it. And what's is that Rabio? No, it's not Rabio. So I don't know. I just think that we got, I think Ericsson starting at the six at Brentford will just make Brentford fans laugh because he was so good in the attacking areas last year. And they're going to be like, well, he certainly didn't go to Man United to play the six, did he? He went there to help the attack. And here he is because Man United can't rely on anyone that they've got and they haven't got their main target through the door. <laughs> he's gone there and now he's playing the six. It's just like, uh, I think he'll play the six against Brentford. Jimmy Garner. Look, I, I can't keep repeating myself with it. Play the kids. Yeah. Jimmy Garner, Zidane, Savage, all much more suited to playing the six. 
You can play them as the six. They're ball players. I do not care if they've got experience or not. When I go watch my boy play on the common down there playing football, he doesn't care whether he's 16 years old or six years old or 26. You go play the game. Yes, you haven't got the experience, but Man United are in a very, very unique situation here where they have to develop. They have to start developing people in their squad. And we're constantly saying, oh, but why are you doing this? Yeah, don't play Martinez in the six if you haven't bought him to play the six. Play him as a centre-back. Bring in Varane. Do whatever you got to do around that. But at centre, but in that position, don't play Christian Eriksen there for the season because that's what's going to happen, Scott. <laughs> I can smell it. So he's going to play the six. And we're going to be saying in three months' time, Christian Eriksen looks miserable in the six because he's having to run around and do stuff with Scott McTominay next to him. So I don't like it. It doesn't doesn't sit well with me. Play position. Play plays in their position. Forget the age you know, and work with what you've got. Those three lads that I mentioned, Jimmy Garner as well, they're able, but yeah, they might not be perfect, but they are able. Trust them. Trust them now. Don't trust players that you don't want to play there. Final thought before we go. Uh, another transfer name to throw in. Man United failed with a late 11th hour attempt to sign Timo Werner for 25 million before he joined Leipzig. Yeah, Team of Furness, it's, it's a little bit like the uh, the situation with De Jong, isn't it? Team of Furness is going, right, I'm at Chelsea, won a Champions League year, you know, done quite well in that, in that aspect, but it hasn't worked for me, so where am I going to go? He's not going to go to Man United for 25 million, is he? He's going to go home. So he, that's what he's done. He's gone to a place where he'll feel comfortable and better and he'll redevelop his career before a World Cup again, isn't it? So there's a, there's a lot of this happening of players making moves that they feel will aid their international chances. So that's what Werner's done because he needs to get in that German squad before they travel out to Qatar. Um, I would have liked him. I think he's a really good player. I think there's a, someone put up a tweet from four years ago where I said, you need to sign. These were my, my, uh, my six, I think, at the time. I said, you need to buy Timo Werner. You need to buy Kai Havertz. This is before they were at Chelsea. You need to buy Bruno Fernandes. You need to buy James Madison. They were the players I was I was looking at at that point, saying they are like proper targets. Well, in that time, those two lads have won stuff at Chelsea. Bruno Fernandes has come to Man United and has kind of fallen off a little bit, but so is the club. And the rest of it, James Madison is now potentially going to a new football club. Maybe he will be coming to Manchester United. Now, see, now I've said that. It's going to be a rumour. But uh, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. But James Madison, again, is another quality midfielder. Might not be what you need today, but you've got to look at different marketplaces. I'm a little bit worried about the markets that Man United are shopping in. I think everyone is, Rob. Uh, well, I mean, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully they can manage to somehow pick up spirits within the fan base and within the squad. In the game at Brentford on Saturday evening, United with zero points from their first game. They don't want zero points from two games. Winning cures everything. Winning cures everything. Just go and win. Don't play well. Win. That's the most important. These boys have got to understand that. You don't need to be brilliant on day one or day two, day ten. You've got to win. That's what you're there for. Otherwise, you're going to leave your manager out to dry. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully. Hopefully there's a win coming. But you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes. And watch us on YouTube twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe, leave a comment and join the community with us as well. The link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform. And on Twitter, you can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob, underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. We'll be back on Tuesday, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. Hopefully this has been a bit of a therapy session for you if you 
you're down on Man United's luck at the moment. But let's hope things can turn around. I don't think it will, but we will see. Thanks very much. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.